So, in, in thinking about this, I started reading, and and in this message, verses eight through ten. Goliath is basically calling out the Israelites. He's calling out God's people. And in the Greek tradition of trial by battle, he's basically saying, send me your best person. We'll fight, and instead of all this bloodshed, it'll be over real soon. And that seems simple enough. You know, two men go in, one man comes out, done, tens of thousands of people go home, you're either serving me or you're serving him. But... As I started thinking about it, Pastor Wood, the trick to that. So young men create strong teams and build a tight circle. See, Goliath and the enemy, they made it sound simple, but the trap is if they separate us, then we are vulnerable. See, I watch way too much National Geographic, so I like to watch when the lions going after the gazelles. Now, see, what they do is they run right through the pack and divide the pack, and then they wait for one to scatter and go the wrong way, and then that's the prey. Now, if we have social workers or if we have people that work in mental health, they'll tell you that abusers do the same thing. They will find a victim and separate them from their friends and families because they know that they are more vulnerable. So as you go to your next step, whether it's college, the workforce, build a strong team and a tight circle. Now, even Michael Jordan, as great as he is, until he got Scottie Pippen, until he got Horace Grant, until he built a strategy, he didn't have a championship. He was a single great individual. And the one thing that I know about sports and teams is you can have average individuals that come together with communication, the willingness to sacrifice, a great strategy, and willing to do whatever it takes to meet the common goal. And eight out of ten times, they will, build, they will beat a collection of very talented individuals that are going on for their own. Now, when we really dig into this, there's an African proverb that I love. And it says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. If you want to go fast, go alone. We can get there quick. But if you want to go far, you must go together. Because everyone, I I, I love history, love Martin Luther King, and he was one of those that studied Gandhi, and his whole idea was interdependence. And he knew that I could not be my best unless you were your best. And so as a team, we have to collectively come together for a common goal and common good. Now, I'll tell you all this, and you're like, now what does this mean for me practically? So I'm going to give you some practical advice. We're going to use the rule of six, all right? Because it's all about quality, not quantity. Choose two people that you look up to, that you aspire to be. They can be mentors. They can be people in the church. 
They can be professors at your school. But two people that you view as successful and ask to spend time with them. Learn how they got in their position. Ask questions. Questions are the answers. Find out the skills that they got, the resources they use, so that you know how to get there. So that's your first two. Your second two, find a group of peers, just two. Now, they might not be your, the most popular, but look for the ones that are going in the same direction. They got that grind and that hunger to be better than what life is presenting in our current state as African-American male. Those two are going to be the ones that will push and challenge you. And they will be the ones that will encourage you, and they will be the ones that will support you. And you can learn and grow together. Now, the last two, this is the most important. The last two, pick two that you can mentor. Pick two that you can mentor. Now, why is this important, right? Now, it's important because it's easy to get up here in a suit and a tie and talk the talk. But if I got to reach back and help someone, I got to walk the walk. So reach back and find two people that look up to you so you have that pressure to be the best role model that you can be for them. So build a strong team and keep your circle tight. Now, the next thing that I was very interested in in this chapter, can I call you mom or Mary or Dr. Heggie? We'll go with mom since you call me your baby. <laughs> if we look at verse 11, the scripture tells us that Goliath, he was standing out there. He's making his uh, proposition to Saul, and King Saul and the Israelites were terrified. Now, why is this significant? Now, this is significant because if we go to Deuteronomy 20 and 1, God describes his covenant with the Israelites in Deuteronomy 21, it says, when you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and see greater armies than yours, do not be afraid because the Lord God that brought you out of Israel will be with you. So God has demonstrated time and time and time and time and time again to the Israelites that he will be there for them. But the very first time that they saw a giant, they were terrified. Now, if you read a little bit deeper in the scripture, you'll know that the Israelites' armies, they were putting their faith in Saul, and Saul was out of favor and out of fellowship with God. So none of them have faith, and none of them have belief. But my brothers and sisters, just know that the giants that you face can be overcome. We have a great, great history of being overcomers. We have a great, great history of the Lord delivering our people. Just this past Monday, we celebrated Juneteenth, where God has been with us from slavery to freedom, from Reconstruction to Jim Crow from civil rights to the new Jim Crow, which is the school-to-prison pipeline, 
God has been with us. So we have it in our DNA to be overcomers and achievers through Christ Jesus. Now, I know peer pressure pressure can be tough, but God's got you. I know stress and anxiety can be rough, but God's got you. I know sometimes the pressure to be popular and you're just not there, but God's got you. As long as you stand on God's word, he will never leave you or forsake you. So again, keep your team strong and your faith tight. Or keep your team strong, your circle tight, and your faith strong. Now, we're going to move quickly here to verse 16. And in that part, that's what really got me. And I think this is something for for everybody. Scripture says that Goliath came out every morning and every night and challenged. But it wasn't like a day or two. It wasn't a week. It was 40 days. My God, what is happening? What is going on that you are standing around letting someone for 40 days come out and challenge you and do nothing? Now, the point that I have here is don't let fear paralyze you because you're only prolonging God's blessing and prolonging the learning that he has for you. Now, time, time, you know, Time is one of those things that we could never get back. Time is one of the things that we can't buy. So young men, always guard your time. And do the most you can with those little 60 seconds that turn in to 60 minutes, that turn into 24 hours, that turn into a week, that turn into a year. It all adds up, and it's all important, and it's all relevant. So you ask, how can we practically manage our time wisely? I live this. I have some friends live this. Some of us did a little better than others, but that first year is the most important year you have in college. If you bomb out that first year, it's almost impossible to get it back. So you're used to going to school all day now. Well, in college, you may only have one or two classes and what will seem like a lot of free time, but it's not. To be the best steward of your time for every hour that you're in class, Make sure that you do an hour of studying. Treat it like a job. Make the main thing the main thing. Extracurricular, fun, have a little bit of it, but don't let that overtake your purpose for being there. Now, if we think about it on a, on a macro level, church, how many of us are paralyzed and stuck is we don't have the faith to move forward. How many of us are standing for 40 days and 40 nights on that relationship that you continue to worry about? The more you love, the less they love you back. How many of us are standing there for 40 days and 40 nights, and the harder you work, it seems like everybody else is getting a promotion but you? But the very first time they need something, you're the first person they call. How many of us are standing there 40 days and 40 nights crying about that child that just cannot come home? Crying about that child that is lost? Crying about that child that you worry that the next phone call could be that they are on the way to the hospital and now to a morgue? 
how many of us are paralyzed by fear and not moving in faith. So let me tell you, this is what I've learned about faith. To be in God's will, W-I-L-L, to have will, it takes not only intention, that I intend to do something, I intend to pray, I intend to build that relationship, I intend to develop the skills that I need and the resources and the networking I need to take that step forward. I intend to do that resume so that I can leave. I intend to make my side hustle a little weekend thing until I can get my main hustle to support it, and then I can get my side hustle to be my biggest thing and my main hustle out the window, right? So how many times have we stood and waited for 40 days and 40 nights and had intentions but no action? The will of God requires both. You've got to have intention and action for the will of God and faith to move in your life. Now, I'm going to try to close up here pretty quick, and this is my last, my last point. When we go, and this is, I'm an action guy, so I like to fight, and let's get all this stuff out of the way. So verse 26, we explore, and David asked the men, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised, uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of our living God? They repeated to him. They had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. And then Eliab, David's older brother, heard them speaking and said to the men. He was burning with anger and asked, why have you come down here? And who did you leave those few sheep with in the desert? I know you were conceited. I know how your heart is wicked. You came down here only to watch. So what is this talking about? What, what, what's this verse getting at? So this verse is getting at, now the whole time, these 40 days and 40 nights, David's older brother and all his brothers are at the front line. They get up every morning. They watch Goliath talk slick about God, and they do nothing. And David comes back, and he's like, what's going on? He's been going back and forth. Nobody's fighting. So he's like, so what's, what's going on? They're like, well, it's a trial by battle. I don't think we really want to mess with him. And David, you know, David's got faith. He's been practicing. He's out in the, I mean, every day he's out guarding the sheep, right? And he's taking on lions. He's taking on bears. Just with his staff, his staff, and his slingshot. But the most importantly, David knows he's favored. And he has faith that with God, we can do all things. So what is David doing? David's inquiring about that blessing. <laughs> David's like, if this got something to get, and y'all ain't getting it, let me get it. And so, young men, I want to tell you that when you're going for those big blessings, when you're reaching out, you might even have family. Your best friends are going to be angry. They're going to call you out your name. And they ain't going to be doing nothing because they want you to be back with them. But you got to keep pressing forward just like David.
I like to think of the motto, let's make average extinct. Just get average just out your life, right? The chips are against us. We can't, we can't afford to be average. We are one of the few populations that black men could be born into wealth and in one generation be in poverty. So we can't afford to be average. Make average extinct in your life. We have to strive for excellence in everything we do. And most importantly, we have to strive in excellence the same way we put in resources, the same way we put in getting it. We got to put that same energy in our relationship with God. Now, making average extinct, strive for excellence in everything. Have a strong team and a tight circle. And we think of all these things, managing your time and not giving away your time. So these are all practical things, but they can get you far in life. They can get you fast. But I want to share a little parable. So this parable really brings everything to a point. It helps us really think about what's important. But this parable is called, Life is Like Coffee. So there's a professor at a university, let's say A&T, Greensboro, Selma Hart. And young alumni come back, and they come and visit their favorite professor. And the entire time, they were complaining about their jobs and their relationships in life. And the professor's just listening, and he decides to offer them coffee. And they all say yes. So the professor disappears into the kitchen. They continue having their conversations, and woe is me, playing the victim. The professor comes back out. He has coffee, and he has an assortment of cups. Now, these cups range. I mean, you got some cups that are blinged out. You got some cups that are plastic, some cups that are porcelain. You got some expensive cups. You got some cheap cups. And so the young men grab their cups, and the professor pours coffee for them all, and they start talking some more, and the professor's listening. And then he speaks up. He says, I've noticed that all the expensive cups have been taken up, leaving behind only the, the cheap cups and ones that just look ratty. While it's normal to want the best things in life, maybe this is the source of your dissatisfaction and all your problems and your stress. It's important to know that the cup itself adds no value to the quality of the coffee. In most cases, it's just chosen because of perceived value or it's the cool thing to have a Starbucks logo on your cup. But what you really want is the experience of the coffee 
and not the cup. So as you subconsciously went for all the best cups and tried to get the best cup first and started comparing your cups to the other cups, consider this. The coffee cup is only jobs, possessions, social status. They're just tools and structures to hold your life together. But the type of cup doesn't define us. Your job doesn't define you. Your status doesn't define you. But what you really want is to be happy. And the happiest people aren't the people that have the best things, but make the best out of everything. Now, Jesus, the world's greatest teacher, he made a revision to that professor's thesis. So I, I, was, I was privy to this. Uh, one lonely, tear-filled night in the spring of 1998, I couldn't explain why being good didn't stop bad things from happening. When all my best plans kept failing. When I had my hands around my greatest dreams, and the tighter I held on, the more they slipped through my hands. When I looked through the rearview mirror, and I could not take my eyes off the sin that I had in the past, that made me depressed and isolated and feeling out of fellowship. Instead of focusing my eyes on the windshield of grace and reconciliation. When my thirst for the pleasures of this world were insatiable. And the more I drank of it, the more dehydrated I became. And that's when Jesus came to me and said, you're dehydrated and depleted because you're seeking happiness. And happiness is a thing of this world, and it's only temporary. You see, happiness will quickly fade when the trials and tribulations of life arise. Happiness will turn to fear when your Goliaths stand chest out and call you out by name. Jesus said happiness is just short-term conditions. But I got something for your cup. I got something that's everlasting. If you seek my face, I will give you something that will runneth over. My life has not been the same since. John 15, 11 said, I told you this so much joy may be in you that your joy may be complete. So I'm not always happy, but I have joy, joy, joy in my heart. I have praises and gratitude on my lips. And young men, 
as you continue to defy the odds, when the stack, when the cards are stacked against you, as you continue to slay the Goliaths in your life and hold on to the blessings that God has for you, shake off the haters, continue to trust Jesus, and he will continue to give you the joy that the world can't take away. I love you. God bless you. They have a smile for you. We know that you have been blessed through the hearing of God's Word on this day. We invite you to join us at New Providence Missionary Baptist Church, located at 4813 Hilltop Needmore Road, Fuquay, Arena, North Carolina. For more information, you can contact our ministry at 919-552-3531 or visit our website at www.newprovidencebaptist.com. Thank you for joining us and be blessed.